This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! Welcome to an MLS pod special. Super special, because our guest today is one of the most celebrated footballers of the modern era. He led Liverpool Football Club to three League Cups, two FA Cups, a UEFA Cup, and yes, one of the most memorable Champions League final wins in history. Arsenal and New York Red Bulls legend Thierry Henry said of this gent, I can't think of a striker anywhere in the world, let alone a midfielder who scored so many important goals. It's not Stephen Naismith, listeners. These days, he plies his trade in Los Angeles, California, far cry from his boyhood home of Heighton. Sitting right before my very eyes, God love him, from the powerhouse LA Galaxy Team Hotel here in Midtown Manhattan in the shadow of the Empire State Building as he prepares for Saturday's game against Frank Lampard's New York City FC. 3 p.m. on ESPN, people. The one and only, oh, Mr. Steven Gerrard. <laughs> That's from introduction. Thanks very much. Oh, Blessed. It's fantastic to be with you for so many reasons. Thank but you. I want to jump right into this. One of my favourite quotes of yours in recent times. It's about the city of Liverpool and what you miss about it while you're living in California. You said, I miss my friends and my family, everyone relates to that, Stephen. Yeah. And I miss a bit of the cold weather. Yeah. I, I'm, I from, I'm from Liverpool too, Stephen. And, and I can empathise with so much of what you said. But to miss the weather in Liverpool when you live in Los Angeles, you, you've got to explain that to me. What I meant by that was the seasons. You know, I do enjoy the seasons back home, summer, winter, you know, your autumn and your spring. You know, in California, it's just permanently hot. Um, which is very nice. Of course, I'm not complaining at all. It's it's a very special city with a, a wonderful climate. Um, but there is days when I do wish for a bit of rain, you know, and a bit of cold, just to get wrapped up and, and feel that, almost like that Christmas feeling back home. Oh, it mm. builds character. Mm. One of the great moments of my life in Chicago, I was on a subway stop in the driving, at four o'clock in the morning, driving snow on the elevated platform. There was an old Irish man at the end. It was freezing. I had no jacket on. And he just looked at me and we were both freezing. He goes, tis a great day to be alive. <laughs> and that is, I now understand exactly yeah. what you mean. But you remain a god in Liverpool. I can't think of a city, though, that's more antithetical, more different to Liverpool than Los Angeles. I was just there last week with my family and I started to think about you mm. navigating the 405. <laughs> nightmare. Between the 22 and the 605. Absolute nightmare. And I want to ask you, having to adapt to a completely new city without mm. the familiarity of the old one where you yeah. grew up and plied your trade for 35 mm. years you live there, yeah. your support network, how does that impact off the field the way you've adapted to life on it? Well, it certainly took time, um, but it, it is one of the reasons why I decided to come out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm very comfortable in Liverpool. You know, I lived there majority of my life, played for the club and... I absolutely love the city. Um, it'll always be me, me number one home. Um, I've got a big affection towards Liverpool Football Club, as everyone knows. Um, but at my age and the time and in my career, I think it was very important, both on and off the pitch, for a new challenge, 
um, to come out of that comfort zone and, and, and look into the city and experience a different, you know, life culture and, you know, for me girls also to develop them as well, take them out to Liverpool and give them a different experience as well. We had Frank Lampard on the show and he admitted, he said, I just love the anonymity of New York City. Yeah. But then he thought about it. He said, you know, I, I'm not living in a fishbowl like I used to in London. Yeah. But he also said, he said, there's times he wishes that he was noticed. He said, I'd love to get easier reservations at restaurants. <laughs> How have you experienced that adjustment? No, you're, can, you're a legend. I can certainly understand where Frank's coming from. Um, you know, it is very nice to be in, in Los Angeles and be, you know, no one recognises you incognito. You can, you know, you can go under the radar and um, spend quality time with your family. You can go to theme fat parks, restaurants, coffee shops, and really relax and and be yourself. Um, you know, in Liverpool, it's, it's a small city, and it's very difficult when you play for for Liverpool to you know go into the city and and spend time with your family because they're very passionate people. Um, there's reds and blues who, who want a PC, and at times it is difficult. Uh, I'm not complaining. Uh, I absolutely loved all the adulation that I got when I was there. So, um, but it is nice just to have a break from it and you know go unrecognised. How does that feel emotionally for the first time to be able to be free, to be able to live, to be able to experience your life with your family, with your daughters, just as mm. a human being, as opposed to an icon? Yeah, I had mixed emotions at first. Um, you know, it was very difficult to come out of Liverpool. I had to drag myself away um, because the connection was, was so strong and it was what I was used to. And, you know, I'll admit the first, you know, three, four months, I did find it difficult to, to change into a completely different way of living away from all, all my people. Um, but, you know, um, there's no better city for me to, to do that in. As I said, I've been welcomed with open arms. The people have been great, great to me and I'm really loving this life experience out here. Um, and the people at the club, it was almost like starting a new school, if you can imagine that. You know, you go into a club where you know no one except Robbie Keane. Um, Robbie was great in introducing me to everyone. I've made so many new friends and I've had some really good experiences both on and off the pitch. I mean, my experience of starting a new school was being beaten up and stuffed into my locker. So I'm happy that it worked out so joyously for <laughs> you as we will discuss. But talking about adjustments, you've been coached by some legends in your career. Roy yeah. Evans, amazing yeah. man. Mm. Gerard Houllier, yeah. Rafa Benitez. Can you talk about the adjustment between MLS and Premier League in terms of the tactical gameplay? I mean, you have talked about how different it is here. Yeah, it is different. Um, but there are only subtle differences. I wouldn't say it's completely different at the end of the day. You know, football doesn't change or soccer, as they call it out here. Um, there is no drastic changes. It's just subtle differences from from coach to coach, and um, just the way they play here. There's a lot more man to man uh, in training. Um, for example, in England, if you play eight v eight, it's usually tactically set up to the weekend, like Premier League wise. So movements are very similar, and patterns are similar to the Premier League. Whereas in the MLS, every single day we go man to man in training, so you follow your your battle and your duel, if you like, and, and that's set up for the weekend as well. Um, so subtle differences as a midfielder or as a number 10 is um, without the ball, you release out of your position and go man-to-man in, in areas that I'm not used to doing that in. And it took time for me to develop and get used to the Galaxy's way of playing. Um, but Bruce has worked with me close with that and you know I feel a lot more comfortable in this team this season than I did last year. Yeah, I mean, this season, your range of passing has mm. been on full display. You're currently 
the assist leader for the Galaxy with 11. What do you feel has clicked for you this year? Is it that you've had more time to adjust to the idiosyncrasies of the league, a better sense of the travel culture, or is it just that you have a deeper understanding of where the likes of Robbie Keane, Gio Dos Santos or Jossie Zardes are going to be? I think it's a bit of everything. I think it's settling off the pitch. I think it's the manager, the coach getting used to me and the staff getting used to me, me getting used to my new teammates and, and all my surroundings. And it, the, the transitions just took a little bit more time than I expected. Um, but that I think that's normal when you go from one league that you've been used to for 17, 18 years and then you go into a completely different setup. It's always going to take a bit of time. I think the numbers in terms of assist-wise has been Bruce playing me a little bit further forward, closer to the Santos, Jossi Zardes and Robbie Keane, whereas when I first come, I think because of my age, I think Bruce seen me more as maybe a defensive midfielder. Um, but I've been playing further up and I've been enjoying that role and I'm getting closer to goal and I think that's why my assist numbers are really good. And now I've got to try and get some goals as well to add to them numbers. You mentioned Jossi. I've got to ask you, what is your read? on Zardes, how good can he be? Well, let's talk about the guy himself first, the person. Um, he's a special character. This is a kid who wants to learn every single day, who's got one of the best attitudes I've ever worked with. He listens, um, he's unselfish, uh, and that's just off the pitch. So what he does is he translates his personality as a footballer. So he does endless running, he does the dirty work, um, and then when you add that to ability, skill, um, cleverness, then you create a player. Um, this is a player with huge potential and um, if Jossie keeps doing what, what he's been doing since I've been working with him uh, attitude-wise, I think he can keep growing and, and become a top player. We had Jossie on the pod back mm. in April okay, and we asked him the big question. We said, Jossie, have you introduced Stevie G to In-N-Out Burger? <laughs> and he, he admitted he hadn't and I want to make sure that he's righted the wrong and given you Exposure to America's finest. Well, in and out, in and out burger is amazing. Um, I do have to credit the Americans for in and out burger. It was <laughs> I wasn't aware of it before I, I rolled up, and um, you know, speaking to teammates and people just around, one of the first things they say to you is, "Have you tried in and out burger?" And you're like, "What? What is it?" And they're like, "It's a burger place. You must do it. You must do it." So couple of weeks in, once I got uh, settled and found my way about, I bumped into an In-N-Out burger and it was a, a life-changing experience. It was. They I, are amazing. I can imagine a franchise uh, contract going down before I thought, you return. I thought it was a wind-up at first because they were like, <laughs> when you get your burger, you ask for animal style and I'm like, is this a wind-up here? Is, uh, you know, the people going to be laughing at me when I ask for animal style? But it was up there on the menu, so I tried, didn't it? It changed I your life. I highly recommend it. 11 assists, people. I'm just saying. You said recently that you think that Major League Soccer would be an excellent option for good foreign players who are possibly a year or two away from breaking into the biggest clubs, United, the Cities, mm. Bayern, the Chelsea's. You said those kids should come 17, 18 years of age to MLS. What makes it safe? If there's an opportunity for them, um, you know, in the Premier League, the best league in the world. Uh, it's a very difficult league to break into as, as a youngster. You know, and what frustrates me is these young, top-quality players, 17, 18 years of age, and they're stuck at the same club and they can't get regular first-team football. And you know, for me, instead of staying and playing in, in under-21 uh, football, and you play games every couple of weeks, and there's not many people watching you, 
go and challenge yourself on loan. And I just said that the MLS is a fantastic option. This is a good league. It's good quality. A lot of people have opinions of this league that are wrong, that it's a retirement league or the level's not good enough and that. This is a league that's growing and the quality's improving week by week. So for me, I think it's fantastic for them players um, to get good experience, play in front of crowds, test themselves against top players. This is a very fit league. Uh, the, the players run an awful lot in here and they'll experience highs and lows. That'll put them in good stead before they play for maybe in the Premier League. Your Los Angeles Galaxy, currently third in the Western Conference standings behind Dallas and Colorado. If this was the Premier League and the table was all that mattered, fans would be just counting down the games that remained, yeah. running down the fixtures. Can you talk about how MLS's playoff system changes your personal approach to the end of the season mentally and physically? Well, from my experience last year, I think what's key is you need to position yourself as high up as you can. We got a bit complacent. Last year, I think we were flying high and then we lost, I think, two or three games out of the remaining four or five. And I think we finished round about fifth place, which meant that we had to go on the road to Seattle in a one-off playoff game. So we had ourselves to blame there because we took our foot off the gas. So this year, from experience, we want to you know, keep on full head of steam and try and finish in them top positions to give ourselves the bye going into the playoffs. Um, but it's an exciting system, the playoffs. I'm not used to it as much as some of, the, some of the players here, but I do like the way come the end of the season it becomes a knockout system. It just adds to that excitement. It's a good setup. This weekend you're going to renew a rivalry: mm. New York City, three big stars, Perlo, David Villa, but your old nemesis mm. from Chelsea, Frank Lampard. Have you spoken to Frank ahead of the game? And can you talk about what you expect from him on Saturday as opposed to Premier League clashes past? I have spoke to Frank. He's in confident mood. Um, he's speaking very highly of his team and obviously they're flying high in the, in the Eastern Conference and they're full of confidence. Um, you know, I expect exactly the same from Frank. He's a top player, um, one of the best attacking midfielders in the world when he was in his pomp and he's still scoring goals today. So I expect exactly the same. Um, I'm trying to get on the score sheet and giving everything he can for New York City. But uh, the message from my end was we're coming into town to try and burst that bubble. You know, we want the three points. We need them to try and close the gap on Dallas and Colorado. And this game's got all the all the makings to be a classic. Does it add a bit more zest for you that you're going to be going up against Frank tomorrow? You're going to walk onto that field and. Frank's going to be there, yeah, you're going to shake his hand, have a laugh with him, but then you're going to try and beat the hell out of each other. Well, as a footballer who's played so many games, does it mean more to you? Yeah, of course. You know, Frank knows that as well. You know, When the whistle goes, the friendships, no matter whose friends in this game, goes out the window and you want to battle for your team and fight and try and get them three points. And, and then after the game, you shake hands and you become friends again. Maybe we get the chance to have dinner and, and catch up, but... He knows what we're in town for. We're in town for three points and it's going to be a classic game. We're really looking forward to it. How do you watch the Premier League from the United States? Because those 4.30 in the morning West Coast <laughs> weekend wake-up calls, they're brutal. Yeah, they are. I've, I've become addicted to coffee, thanks to the Premier League. <laughs> um, you know, you do lose a lot of sleep. I am obsessed with football and watching games and I don't like to miss um, any game, really. Certainly the Liverpool games and... You know, I don't like it when the TV put them on at 12.30 back home because it means me losing an awful lot of sleep. But um, I think it's going to be a fast, fascinating contest this year, you know, with the addition of the, the new managers that have come in. 
uh, the new signings. Um, you know, all the clubs have got big money and have spent really well. So um, I can't really wait for this season to get you know get going. When you watch Premier League football, do you feel the same emotions you used to when you watched at home in your playing days in England, or do you feel an emotional distance from it now? I do feel a bit distant, but I still feel emotional when I watch Liverpool. I do kick every ball, I do scream at the TV, I do celebrate like I'm, I'm still out there. Um, I don't think that'll ever change um, till the day I go. You know, I, I love Liverpool Football Club, but even when I'm watching the other games, you know, I, I, I tend to watch football slightly different now since I've been doing my coaching badges and you know trying to to learn from a different way. But I love watching football. I watch Mexican football when it's on the TV. I watch MLS games, I watch any football at all. Fantastic first weekend for Liverpool, four yeah. goals scored. We won't talk about the issues at the back, we'll talk about the fantastic looking front five players. Question from a listener, at sales 4 without being diplomatic, what is your expectation for Liverpool this season? Top four. I think that's got to be the the target. Liverpool need to get back in Europe. You know, you've seen the run that they went on last year in the Europa League and come so close. I think that would have been a an incredible catalyst for Jurgen Klopp and the team to build on that success. Unfortunately, it didn't materialise. So this year they've got to try and get a cup in the cabinet and and try and get back in that top four. And I think they've got a slight advantage on the other teams who've got that Champions League and Europa to worry about. And Liverpool can pr- prepare meticulously just for that weekend game and really go for teams and I think you've seen that against Arsenal um, it seems to be the Jurgen Klopp way heavy metal full throttle let's go for them and no matter what happens we just get the three points and you know it's really exciting you mentioned your move into coaching your coaching badges mm. talk about this may be your last season as a player I want to say as a, your career winds down I wanted to ask you about one of my favourite lines from your autobiography you released it in 2007. It was a bestseller in England. And one of the lines, I love this line that you wrote, you said, and this sums you up, as an Evertonian who watched you score, I think, 10 goals against Everton in <laughs> 33 derbies. I'm making that stat up off the top of my head, but each one is like an open wound in my heart. <laughs> Sorry. But it sums you up when I read this line, you said, seeing the opposition with the ball, it makes me sick. And I want to know, does that feeling mellow with age, Stephen? It doesn't mellow, but you you control your emotions uh, a lot more. Um, you know, when I was younger, I used to get emotionally too heated at times, and at times I've been dismissed from the pitch or I've gone into tackles that maybe I shouldn't have. And with experience and getting a bit older, you do calm down a bit and you do tame your emotions a little bit more. But the will to win stays there and the love for the game still stays there. I still love preparing for that game at the weekend. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's what I admire about you the most, because when I do watch you on the field, it is absolutely palpable how much you, Stephen Gerrard, love the game of football. And watching you play throughout your career, I mean, you seem to play in the professional elite leagues with the passion and intensity I've only ever seen on the playgrounds, the schoolyards that we both grew up in in Liverpool. Well, that's where I got it. I got it from the streets. I got it from the playground in school. That will to win and that learning the game, and um, I do see myself as a street footballer, you know, like a Wayne Rooney type player from you know a council estate where you do anything to win. And I've always said all the way along, if I ever lost that or didn't have that feeling, I, I would go to the manager and call it a day there and then. And I've still got that fire, and 
I'm desperate. I want to win this MLS. I want to finish this season with some success. And then, come the end of the season, I'll decide what the next, um, you know, the next challenge is in the future. Um, I'm a new driver in terms of coaching. I've, I haven't had many lessons. It is a bit like driving a car. You've got to do your qualifications. There's, you can't cut any corners. Um, and we'll have to see what opportunities come up. But I'd love to become. Um, a manager or an assistant manager or a coach, I would love to stay involved in the game because it's been my life for so long. Psychologically, emotionally, I mean, you speak to coaches who were great players and they love coaching, but they talk about that difference, just that mm. difference. When the goal is scored, it's not you scoring it. Yeah. How are you going to make your peace when no. you know that your playing time is up, Stephen? I'll find it hard. I will find it hard, I know I will, because I love the day-to-day training, I love the banter in the dressing room, and I love competing myself, and I love being responsible on the pitch for results. Um, But I think being involved on a coaching team will give me partly that buzz back. Um, But it has to come to an end at some time. you know, but I will struggle, I'll openly admit that. But maybe there's another challenge, maybe I stay here in the Galaxy for another season, maybe there's another challenge, we'll have to wait and see. I haven't totally made my mind up yet, but talking in the big picture, in many, many years I would like to become um, a top coach, if it's possible, but I won't do it on name or reputation, I'll only do it and commit to it if I feel like I'm good enough. I've spoke to a lot of people and um, they say, you know, it's completely different from being a player, I'm aware of that. Um, but I've seen it done before. The pl- players that have played the game at a high level do become good coaches. It's election season in America, so there is the saying, Stephen Gerrard, four more years. Please, God, good luck tomorrow. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Much. Been Encourage. a pleasure. Thank you.